Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who Show's Alternate Galaxies podcast, where we are reviewing Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. And we are having one of our little side podcasts where we just, uh, we've both seen a movie, we had a chat about it. <laughs> For a so, few minutes, yeah. So we uh, turn the mic on and have that chat. As always, we'll have a very brief spoiler-free intro and then... I think a very serious spoiler curtain for this one. Uh, drop the Tom Holland spoiler curtain. That's right. Richard, this is probably the most anticipated of the MCU films since Endgame. I think so, yes. And in fact, we actually haven't had a lot in the years since Endgame. We had the delayed release a few times, I think, for Black Widow. Which I must admit, I thought Black Widow was a perfectly enjoyable film, but just came out so late in the sequence, I was just like, well, what really, was the point of that? Yeah, pretty, I was much the same. I haven't seen The Eternals yet. I I have to say, I did really enjoy Shang-Chi. Yes, I enjoyed Shang-Chi as well. It was a really fun film. Yeah, it was. And it was good too, because I was a bit of a fan of Kim's Convenience, so it was actually pretty good to see uh, Simo Liu in uh, oh, okay, get, right. getting a star in role, yep. so that was good. And I, I will say, I'm not really big on, on Twitter and social media, but um, he was doing a lot of promotion for it himself uh, before it came out, and some of the stuff he was putting up in his Twitter feed was hilarious. Yes, so, it was. Yeah. Yes, but no, this is, I think... Easily the most anticipated since Endgame oh, for, for, sure. for, for a number of reasons, which we will dive into shortly. But overall, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I was a bit apprehensive going in because, you know, when you sort of see the trailers and you sort of start to see some of the things that are maybe going to be in the movie and maybe not, I was sort of thinking, well, okay, there's obviously multiple villains. You've got Doctor Strange, you've got a service. Peter and his friends and, and tell a story. And I, I was sort of a bit apprehensive whether it would be a bit of a mess. But I have to say, actually, on the whole, I think they really, really pulled it off. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought it was a really enjoyable movie. Look, the one thing I'll really say to anybody who's just checking out our first few minutes and, and, and is going away because we're about to do spoilers, if you can see this in a cinema yes. with a big audience, yes, uh, it, it absolutely rewards the group experience. It, it does. And I'll, I'll probably also make the point, it was actually really, really good to go to the cinema and watch something like this again after so long because we sort of talked about Black Widow and, and Chang-Chi and whatever a minute ago. I mean, look, I, I'm guessing you, like me, saw them on the small screen. No, no, I've, I've, I've seen... No, I've okay. seen 30 films this year oh, in geez. the cinema. Well, you're doing a lot better than I am. Well, okay... I saw, them both, <laughs> I saw both of them on the small screen. And particularly, I think, with Shang-Chi, I actually think that would have been a really good one to see on the, in, the, in the cinema. Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah, so good on you. <laughs> you know, I'm, look, look I, I think that visually, Shang-Chi was definitely a good one to see mm. on the big screen. And as, as is No Way Home. But for, for reasons we will discuss in a moment, mm. I, I think that this is one of those films, much like Endgame, much like Infinity War, that, that rewards the, yeah, the most, audience. Most effort. definitely. And it was cool, actually, to be in an audience, because where well, maybe where you were too, but where I was, you know, they all cheered probably at the appropriate times. And yes. there was sort of the collective gasps a couple of times yes. and whatever. So that, that was really good, actually, to have that experience again. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It was a good way to get a lot of people back into the cinema. I did have a couple of problems with the film. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll explore those. But look, I don't think we can go any further without 
putting down the uh, Tom Holland spoiler curtain. No, and, and notice they did it again uh, for the start of this one. They had uh, the, the three main cast and, and Jamie Foxx. Yes. <laughs> to, to do it this time, so... No, there was a, just as a very quick side note, I did see an interview on one of the US chat shows that had sort of, you know, the four main cast, and um, the presenter was very clearly trying to get Tom Holland to uh, uh, to, to drop you, some spoilers. Yeah, and, funny that, yeah. And, and, and you could just watch the, the, the look of sheer terror on Benedict Cumberbatch's face, <laughs> just waiting for Tom Holland to, you know, drop something he should There's probably some poor producer just standing just off camera going, no, 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 no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, now we've made fun of Tom Holland and his uh, propensity to spoil. Let's drop the curtain. If I'm honest with you, I actually know nothing about this movie. I aren't, I'm not allowed <laughs> to read the scripts because I'm so bad at keeping secrets for this exact reason. I would want to tell you all the secrets and I just don't know them. Um, I know I play Spider-Man. So Richard, you mentioned some apprehension going in and I, I certainly shared that in a couple of ways. And the first one I think is worth noting is that I was quite concerned that this was going to be another example of the title character not being the star of their own movie. Yep. Certainly there's a couple of, uh, at least one Captain America movie I can think of where you sort of go, that that wasn't a Captain America film. No, it's not really about him, no. No, um, and, and there have been some others as well where people have been sort of dropped to the background. But to be fair to them, I actually thought this was absolutely a Spider-Man movie. Yep. I thought that the arc that Peter Parker has basically going from a selfish act, for good reasons, but a selfish mm. act to eventually the selfless act yeah. uh, worked really well. Sort and the hero's journey type deal, yeah. Very much the hero's journey. And in, in some ways, as, as other reviewers have pointed out, this actually was Tom Holland Spider-Man's origin story. Very much so, actually. Yeah, that, that's a good spin on it. Actually, because in other movies he's sort of like rocked up and he's just sort of well, he's just action. been Spider Man. He's yeah. just been Spider Man. This is the one where I think he goes through that emotional journey that yeah. we will talk about because and learns it with great power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you know it was very cool that they gave Aunt May the the line rather than Uncle Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. Yep. Yep. Spider Man being bitten by the spider is not real. Like, like okay, that, that, that's how he gets his powers. Like, mm-hmm. woohoo. It's, it's that moment of, I've got to learn to accept responsibility, and this is a bigger thing than I expected. That, that's right. And, and look, I suppose, you know, the, the movie sets up quite early on that, that really he's being sort of hammered from all sides. He's gone through all the stuff he went through in the previous movie and seen Mysterio die and everything that happened there. He sort of comes home and he's been accused of murder. Then his cover's blown, and the whole half the world turns against him. And then they're sort of hassled by the government. Not, not to mention um, that he got blipped for five years as yes, well. Yes, well, that too. You are sort of in that sort of space. You know, there's a lot of pressure on, on a, what are we supposed to be, what, about 17 or 18, obviously, by this point. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on a, on a 17 or 18-year-old teenager. So you can see why he then you know, maybe seeks out someone like Strange. And then, of course, when things start to go wrong, Strange then immediately sort of does, well, it's not our problem. This just has to happen. These people have to die. You need to understand that that's just how the world works really sort of callous, pragmatic. I thought it was actually really good that he did sort of stuck to his guns and really went through that journey. That, no, 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 we are actually going to do this the right way and help these people. Yeah, you definitely got to see Peter Parker's idealism come through. Yeah. And his sense of wanting to, you know, look after his community and be that friendly and able yeah. Spider-Man. And, and do the right thing by everybody. You know, that's sort of that, that sort of everybody lives moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Spider-Man in a moment, but Doc, Doctor Strange was probably one of the things I was most apprehensive about. I'm in this, this weird position where I think that the actual the first Doctor Strange movie was just a 
terrible movie. I, I, I've tried a couple of times to get through that, and I cannot get to the end of that movie. Yep. But I do actually find his character in Infinity War and Endgame was very, very well done and very, mm. very well, well well played. So I was a bit apprehensive about how he would be here, but fortunately, I think he's used exactly the right amount. Well, it was, and I, yeah, I think shutting him out of sort of the middle part of the movie so they could yes. sort of just get on with, you know, um, actually starting to help people. Yeah, how, how do we sideline this guy so he can't get into Peter's head pretty much all the way through? Yeah, I was going to say, it's sort of the 80s Doctor Who, like, can we just trap him in a room for two episodes? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they basically just did the so special did version of that, that, yeah. You know, so he doesn't actually, you know, just take the decision out of Peter's hands because, I mean, he had the box and he was ready to go, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it allows... Spider-Man to be the star of his movie. Yes. Um, and Doctor Strange is a you know, facilitator to that, but it, it is about Spider-Man, which is good. Interestingly, though, and I don't know whether they did this before or after the trailer aired, but the tone of Strange's interaction is very, very different in yes, the trailer. Yes, it is. I noticed that too. Because in, in the trailer, it's sort of all about, he, 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 we're being mysterious, and you know we're doing this behind Wong's back, and all that yeah. sort of thing. Whereas this one, he actually convinces Wong and sort of has a very logical reason for doing yeah. it. I don't know whether that was deliberately done sort of with different takes to trick the audience. Maybe. Or they had a couple of different takes and they sort of gauged fans' reaction to that. I suspect it might be that thing about tricking the audience so you don't sort of think you know half of the plot maybe before you go in. Yep. I mean, the really obvious one, obviously, was that they, they sort of changed the, the swear word that he uses in the trailer. But Yes, so, so we've got the, the PG version that can go on aeroplanes and pre- stuff. Pretty yeah. much. But yeah, I, I thought that was a, an interesting take and I, I suspect it probably was so as, you know, you think you know what's going to happen, well, you don't. Yeah, and, and we didn't. No. With one exception. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about probably the big spider in the room, so to speak. Yep. Now, I think everybody went into the movie almost knowing for certain that there was going to be a couple of uh, extra Spider-Men in this. I, I think so. Well, I think certainly, and I think it was the Andrew Garfield, I think had pretty much given it away, I think, beforehand. I think it was probably more, maybe if anyone had any doubts, it might have been whether Tobey Maguire was going to be there. But... Yeah, I, I think there was certainly a bit of doubt about Tobey Maguire because he actually hasn't acted in a film for about four or five years no. now. And has been a bit off the grid. So there was some doubt about that. There, there was that 1% that Garfield might not be there and that, that sort of anticipation... But the thing that I think I was most worried about was that they would turn up and either just be wasted or it'd be like a one-scene cameo. You know, they yeah. come along, they banter a bit, they bugger off. It's sort of like that thing in The Five Doctors where they get like, you know, half a scene together. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of it. Exactly. But I must admit, I thought that they used those two characters extremely well. Yeah. Did, um, I, in the cinema I was in, I noticed Andrew Garfield actually got a bigger cheer than Tobey Maguire in the cinema I was in. I don't think so. Certainly when... So, so for, hopefully now everyone is listening and seeing the movie. But that moment <laughs> when... when if you're not. That, <laughs> that's right. That moment when the portals open to see Spider-Man yeah. and you see the guy in the distance and you could sort of feel the audience going... Okay, if this is going to be it, yep. is this is going oh, to be wow. it. Yep. Oh wow! Oh wow! Like he comes, yep, they've really done it. Takes the hood off. That was a big cheer. And then there was sort of like the, the moment of opening the other portal, and then and I actually heard someone go, "Oh, please be Maguire. It's got to be Maguire." <laughs> and and I think there was that sort of like, okay, look, we kind of knew that Garfield was in this. Yeah. And then when they got Maguire as well, and, and he's just there on screen without the mask, that was a big deal. Well, it was funny actually because in the cinema, obviously. There was a cheer. there was a, a, a slightly smaller cheer when Toby Maguire came in, and then some random dude down the front has gone. He looks so old. <laughs> <laughs> the scary 
thing is, there's only about five years difference between Maguire and Garfield. Yeah, I know. I don't know, maybe he's just one of those eternally youthful-looking people, Andrew Garfield. But and I, I have to say, I actually probably got more out of him, I think, in this one probably than I did out of Tobey Maguire. I don't know whether that was just the, the, the what the script asked them both to do, or whether it was just, you know, sort of the performance or something. But... Yeah, so I want to have a bit of a chat about that and sort of how it all went. Yep. Now, I'm, I'm going to just put it out there, and let me, let me heavily caveat this. Yep. I love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. He was my yep. Spider-Man. Yep. Tobey Maguire in Pleasantville is one of my favourite performances. It's a really okay. nice movie. I'm a big fan of Tom Holland because yep. he's been given some great movies and he's mm. you know, really sort of established that character in the MCU. Yep. But I've got to say, watching Andrew Garfield act with those two on screen, he just acted the pants off the other two. Mm. Like there, There is a reason why Andrew Garfield is you know Academy Award nominated. Uh, a Lawrence Olivia Award yeah. winner, Tony Award winner. And, and let me say, yeah. having, having seen Tick, Tick, Boom, he's absolutely going to be in the award buzz this season as well. Yeah, you can bloop this if you want. It's sort of quite uh, Kevin Smith. He's as charismatic as f***, man. <laughs> I really is. Yeah. He, I really, I did. I really thought he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. And... There's a really good moment there where they're talking about the different villains they faced, mm. and the other's like, "Oh, we fought aliens." And this can Andrew Garfield's like, "I fought a foreign dude in a rhino costume." <laughs> <laughs> and that 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 really, I think, sort of just summed up. He just had two very ordinary movies to appear in. Yeah, I think so. No, I, I did. I thought he was really good. The one moment actually I did really like, probably Andrew Garfield. It wasn't anything particularly he did. The moment where he saves MJ. And he's the, the movie did actually take that moment just that when he gets her down on the ground safely, yes. it did just take that moment where he sort of breathed a sigh of relief and was like, thank God it didn't happen again. That got a huge cheer yeah. and then a huge sort of like, aww, yeah. from, from the audience. Um, I, I actually thought that was really good with the movies, but just to spent the half a second to do that. But. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, I think, what really made this movie is I think everybody kind of anticipated that there would be that redemption moment for Garfield Spider-Man where mm. he, he would actually catch MJ yep. and, and sort of save it. But but as he said, it actually really just show the emotional effect that had on him. Mm. And and this sort of takes me to another point. I really like the way that they didn't just sort of pull the two other Spider-Men out of their timelines kind of at equivalent points. They, they've obviously moved on the same number of years yeah. in their life as we have. And so Tobey Maguire, he's in his 40s and he's a very, mm. very different man. Yeah. Um, whereas Andrew and Andrew Garfield, you know, he says, you know, I went dark, I stopped pulling my punches, I didn't feel as much as I used to. Yep, and then, right. then he had yeah. that moment of redemption. I thought that was really mm. well done. And they had that moment. I, I mean, they had the great moments of banter, but just that moment on the rooftop where they just go and hug Tom Holland, and it's just like, dude, you know, we actually know what you've been through. We're yeah. the only ones who do. Yeah, uh, that was really effective, and they all got to play a role in the finale. Whilst still being, they did. They all had something to do, and I, I, I thought it handled that really well because I was again, I was expecting all three of them probably were going to be there, but I sort of thought, like you, you know, there might be just that sort of a two-minute cameo or something. They'll come in, do something, and then that that'll be the end of it. But I actually thought it handled all three of them really well. It did, and again, to allow Tom Holland to be the team captain is actually yep. like, no, I've fought in a team. This is how we need to do it. This is what we're going to do. And that was good. And actually. he, he actually again gets to star in his own movie yep. because he could have been very easily overshadowed by the fact that you know, Maguire was the first one, mm. certainly in, in this iteration. And again, you know, Andrew Garfield, it's 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 kind of like when Patrick Troughton turns up in Molly Doctor stories. Yeah. And look, look, I love the other Doctors, they're all great, but when you see Troughton at work, you go, that's a genuine character actor. Yeah, indeed. Um, and the same with Garfield, you're like, this guy is a, is a level above the others. He's a, um, he's a serious dramatic actor. So look, that, that worked really well. I think the payoff was really good. 
we should probably move on to, then to the villains, who I thought also, for the most part, worked quite well. Yeah, so I was probably a little less impressed there. I, I mean, look, you knew, obviously, from the trailers that clearly there were going to be five, you know, sort of the five villains were all going to come back from, from the other universes. Yep. But it, it felt very much like they paid a lot of attention to three of them and not as much to the other two. And realistically, it's hard because, look, the, the Sandman and the Lizard really are, are just CGI. And in some ways, I know why you get the original actors back, but in some ways you didn't really need them. You could have just done that with CGI. Because, I mean, let's face it, both of them in human form, they're two confused-looking blokes standing there watching everything going on around them for, the, for a couple of seconds. No, absolutely. I mean, the Lizard was clearly just there to be a plot contrivance. At a couple well, of I think points. so. I, I sort of was thinking during the movie, the bit where they go up to the apartment and leave him in the van, I was thinking, well, that's probably saved a fair bit <laughs> off the CGI budget, hasn't it? <laughs> Knowing that there were different villains coming yep. in from different franchises, I was kind of hoping that Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin would come in. Because yep. I really liked his performance as Green Goblin. Um, and I'm a big fan of Dane DeHaan as an actor. I knew that it wasn't going to happen, but I really wanted Topher Grace <laughs> to come back as Venom. Because again, yep. I'm a big fan of Topher Grace and I, I yep. really would have liked to see him come back. But look, William Defoe was easily, I think, one of the standouts of this film. Yeah, yeah I think so. Alfred Molina sort of almost felt like the main one of really of those villains, I, yes. I think. Certainly he sort of carried a lot of, certainly the, the, the sort of dialogue scenes and when he gets the chip put back in and, you know, he realises that he's no longer, the arms are no longer controlling him. Yeah, but he, he's um, got his own redemption arc that kind yes. of drives their plot. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, he does. He sort of felt like the main one. It was sort of, the Green Goblin was a bit like, well, he just sort of turned alternately good and nasty depending on what the script really needed him to do at that particular moment. But Look, that's true, but that, Defoe, that, that's probably Defoe does it too so well. It does. That is being too harsh. But yeah, because Defoe does do that so well. You, you can't yeah. forgive it. You've got them all on side. We're going to cure them all. And then all of a sudden, oh, the Green Goblin turns nasty again and suddenly, you know, we're all enemies. And that was a bit sort of like, oh, really? But And um, it, it, it is interesting sort of hearing a couple of interviews now where you know, they talk about, oh, you know, like when I was playing Doc Ock the first time and it was, you know, great big metallical, like yep. actual physical props and all the rest of it and now he just sort of stands on a green screen and can kind of go nuts and, yeah, <laughs> how much easier is this? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Jamie Foxx was really good with his thing. He sort of exuded a real charisma, I think, with Electro. So... Yeah, no, again, I think it just goes to show how much better those actors could have been served by... Mm. Better, better, better movies. Better movies. Better look, look yeah. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not here to smash the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but they were definitely weaker than the other two mm. iterations. Yep. There's, there's no doubt about that in my mind. And it's ironic because I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter now where people are like, you've got to make the Amazing Spider-Man 3, Andrew Garfield's so good. And a few people have sort of reacted like, where were you 10 years ago? But Well, look, now the multiverse is a thing. I, I actually absolutely be in for him coming back. Oh, oh look, I, I, I could absolutely want to yeah. see him come back. Probably one of the big moments, of course, is Aunt May's death. Yes. Now, I must admit, I did not see that coming. No, likewise. And when it did, that was a real well, moment of like... I guess May's obviously out of contract, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something the MCU has done from time to time. I mean, actually, like, this has got to feel serious. It's got to feel of real. Yeah. And I think that that's what really elevated No Way Home over Homecoming and yep. Far From Home. Because, that, look, we enjoyed both those movies, but we both sort of said at the end that it was kind of like, so what? Mm. Like, they were, they were fun adventures and they were fun romps, but not much more. Yeah. Whereas I think sort of throw, throwing in Anne May's death... This this does really raise the stakes. Yeah, it does. And makes it makes it real. Yeah, I, I think so too. So that was very good. Perhaps talk about anything we sort of didn't enjoy in the film. I, I'm going to make the comment, and I found this as well, certainly with Eternals, 
and even to a little bit with Sanchi, and and that is the length was just a bit too much. Mm. Now I don't mind a lengthy film. I sat through three hours of Dune and just thought that was phenomenally good. That used its running time yeah, very much. This one I kind of feel as though there's almost a bit of a feeling with the MCU production house now of look we are just so good that everything we do is golden you, you can't you can't you can't cut any of it man yeah. and 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 there, there was stuff in this i sort of let there and go okay we, we've, we've made this point you can kind of yeah this down. people will stay regardless of how long it is <laughs> yeah exactly and so i i think they don't feel the pressure to really tighten the movies as yep. much as they could and and this you know it didn't need a lot of tightening but i thought it did need some tightening yeah i suppose like two and a half hours Pretty much. I mean, look, my son was probably getting a bit fidgety towards the end, and he's what he's he's nearly fifteen, so that that probably gives you a bit of an indication. I mean, look, I, I was sitting there sort of lapping it all up, but yeah, I, I did notice he was getting a bit fidgety by the end. So that that yeah, that 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 probably says something. Yeah, and the other point I was going to make is that there is that little bit of sort of cartoon villainy convenience and plot contrivance, and particularly when you go in knowing that this is a two and a half hour movie, mm. when you sort of get like the false resolutions and you go well well there's half an hour to go so i know this isn't paying yeah, off this, this isn't gonna <laughs> happen yeah there, there's probably as i said it was probably for me it was more the stuff around like i mentioned with the green goblin really you know as to being ultimately good and bad depending on what the script really needed him to do at the time I, I did think look there was some really good set pieces and stuff in it they are just set pieces though i think there's a bit we you know where they trash the apartment and there's a bit where they're fighting and that sort of stuff Obviously, Happy Hogan owns that whole building or something, I think, because there didn't seem to be anybody else. I <laughs> <laughs> reckon the building, there didn't seem to be anybody else there. So, <laughs> But look, on the whole, I, I have to say, I walked out of there really satisfied. The ending, how do you feel that played out? It was probably in some ways what I was expecting. Do all the sort of promises, oh, I'll come and find you and you know we'll, we'll be together again and it'll be just like it was. You do probably have to think, in reality, how erasing Peter Parker completely from their memories would actually work. Like, who does Ned actually think helped him build that Death Star uh, Lego or whatever? So, in some ways, I can sort of see that there, there probably will be some additional explanation, maybe, when we get down the track as to how that really works. Yeah, my, my assumption is that there is going to be that, my life doesn't quite make sense. There's a, there's mm. a Peter Parker yeah, there, there's, there. yeah, that's Yeah, um, hopefully it's not like the Donna Noble one from uh, yeah <laughs> from, from uh, what was that series four Doctor Who but um, yeah so I, I think that's probably something I, I was fully expecting we will come back to that but I think yeah the bit where he sort of realizes that he probably should just leave these people alone to get on with their life I actually that was kind of what I was expecting was going to happen so I thought that was probably where it had to end really. Yeah, I wasn't sure which way it was going to go, and I was pleased it went the way it did. And I also give the filmmakers credit for giving the audience a bit of respect and mm. allow them a bit of intelligence in that they, they show Peter meeting MJ, they show him seeing the scar, and, and you can see him internalising, when I'm around her, she gets hurt. Mm. And we, he didn't need to say it, it just was really yeah. clear, he just walked out, and I thought that was a really good thing. And yeah, as I say, and I've said it a couple of times now, I'm really glad that Tom Holland actually got to be the star of his movie, which, yes. which was a big concern I had yes, going Yes, I think now they're talking, what, another three, I think. Um, well, so, he's still young. Yeah, well, although he did say, what did he say? If I'm still playing this at 30, I've failed. So <laughs> so it gives him, what, five years or six years? Tobey Maguire's still playing at 45. So <laughs> it's interesting there hasn't been 
much speculation about getting Maguire back. Mm. Probably because, look, he, he does look older. older. Yep. And, look, you don't know under what terms he agreed to come back, whether it was just, you know, I'll do this once, but I'm not, you know, I'm not signing a contract for more movies or whatever he priced himself out of the market or something. I, I don't know, but... You know, that sort of Harrison Ford thing, I'll do it, but kill me <laughs> kill me in the first reel. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly, though, with Robert Downey Jr. sort of more and more making the point, he is moving away from the MCU, yeah. and he's just not going to keep doing the, like, we've got him back for a two-minute cameo. I could see Maguire's Spider-Man potentially being that mm, older maybe. figure, a mature figure in Tom Holland's Spider-Man's life. So, yep, maybe. yeah, interesting to see where we go. But look, I'm... I'm a huge fan of Andrew Garfield, never mind Spider-Man. Mm. Like, I've, I've seen most of his movies. There's some yep. really good stuff that he's done. It's interesting when you go to his IMDb, he very clearly now has got enough money that he, he is just picking and choosing what he wants to oh, do. Oh, okay. And he said that. He said, look, I can be, I can afford to be choosy now, and yep. I'll do the movies I want to do. Wow, and if, okay. if, if I don't do a movie for a year, I don't do a movie for a year. Okay. Yeah, so one, one point we haven't touched on, and it actually got a bit of a cheer, in the, again, in the cinema I was in, was near the start of the movie where, of course, um, we meet Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. Yes, that definitely got a cheery now. Yeah. As well, yes. So that was really good because I really do hope that opens up the, the door for, for him to start playing a bit more of a role. And is this the first time the TV world is coming to the movie world? Very much so, I yep. think. And it shows also they're not going to sort of go the DC route and, okay, we well, are the Flash on TV, but um, we've, we've got this other guy to be the Flash in the movies. Yes. Which I, I thought was a bit sort of stupid, but... Well, look, again, I'm a big fan of Ezra Miller as an actor, but mm. when you've got Grant Gustin, who is just so good in the role, mm. why do you not have Grant Gustin? No, well, that's the screen, thing. But... So, yeah, and look, that hopefully opens the door, you know, maybe for some of the other characters to come through. Perhaps, you know, we get a cameo for maybe from someone like Jessica Jones or um, Bernthal's Punisher or something like that. Maybe not Iron Fist, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Weird point I had, and it's totally on a tangent. The scene where Peter's on his phone talking to MJ and Happy Hogan's in the background, that was really bizarre that they showed him like strapped up to a CPAP machine when he's lying on the yeah, couch. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of, that's really weird that they would go there with that. But it was, I don't know, that just struck me as really interesting. But yeah, I think it's just one of those weird, quirky things that um, Favreau particularly Maybe, just yeah. likes to throw in. Yeah. yeah. No, it was good. I mean, it made Happy feel like a real person. I guess so, yeah. But yeah, that, again, that was just one sort of thing. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> Cheering the movie. So we'll start to wrap this up in the way we wrap up most of our MCU conversations, which is mm-hmm. where to now for the MCU? Well, I think probably the direction is, is pretty well signposted maybe by um, the, the little sort of, well, it's actually not really even an end credit scene. It's really a trailer um, it, at the it, end it of the was, movie. It was, yes. Yep. Um, for, for what I'm guessing is obviously Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, so, which clearly is going to bring Scarlet Witch back and, and lead on from WandaVision. Uh, obviously in the MCU. So I, is that the next movie? I, I think it is, but listeners don't hold us to that. Yeah. 
what's interesting for me is they've done a lot of very disjointed setup since mm. Endgame for, for for obvious reasons. I mean, Endgame was a peak, and they've really got to sort of rebuild again after that. Yeah. I get that, but you look at the end credits trailer for Spider Man Far From Home, where we find out that. Samuel L. Jackson's actually off-world. Yeah, actually, that was a point I, I was going to make because that's probably the other thing, I think, that's still the one fold. So, so we, we've had that. We've had the scrolls rock up at the very end of WandaVision. Yeah, this clearly is set up for whatever that's going to be and that's the, the Marvels as opposed from Captain Marvel 2. Yes. And, and everyone seems to be making that, that very heavy distinction. Yes. I mean, Shang-Chi was very clearly an introductory piece for yes. another part of that universe. Yep. Eternals did a lot of work trying to set up a lot of characters. Okay. And, and including, I won't spoil it, but um, a couple of quite significant actors yep. and, and characters came in at the very end of Eternals. So I guess what we're saying is there is a lot of setup now. And at some point, I think these pieces are going to have to start to... Mm. come together yep. and it'll be interesting to see where they go but you know i'm frankly just keen for more spider-man right now yeah pretty much we said a minute ago that that there was talk of another three movies and i, I think either tom holland is on board or close to being on board so well i, th- I think the bigger issue is going to be sony maintaining staying on board well that's tom true holland. too actually um, but, and, um, and and look i mean they, they they've sort of indicated that they are willing to pull the pin oh well, i suppose let's face it they make, they make enough money out of them, I think, to keep them happy at the moment. So, Look, absolutely. I'm sure they will continue, but Sony's involvement certainly makes Spider-Man a little bit more tenuous than the other characters. He does, of course. Um, Maybe that's how Andrew Garfield comes back. Well, I was going to say, yeah, they're just going to make, make their own Amazing Spider-Man 3, aside yep. from the MCU. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Well, I think we've thrashed that one out enough. I think yeah. it's fair to say we both really enjoyed it. Indeed. And in fact, I... I've only had one person I know of all the people I've seen who didn't enjoy it. Really? And, and, and their comment was basically that the premise of the movie is that Spider-Man or Peter Parker makes a really dumb call and that nothing else would happen if he hadn't, which I understand where they're coming from, but you, know, yeah. you, you, you sort of need characters to make dumb calls at the start well, of the movie you do. so they can be redeemed at the yeah, end of the so, movie. So yes. you have the journey. That's exactly right. And he's um, a kid. And that's the thing. You do understand why he's made that call. Yeah, and, and well, we haven't sort of touched on the, the whole C-plot of them trying to get into university, but it no. it did reinforce again, as the other movies have, that Spider-Man is a kid, mm. and he's a high school student, and he's still got all the stuff that high school students go through, yep. and, and I think this did ground him very, very well, although, look, Tom Holland is a very good-looking young man, mm. but he's starting to get now to the point of, we can't quite believe him as being a high school kid. I, I don't think he's got much left in the high school kid. Uh. No, so maybe the next movie picks up three or four years down the track. You know, yeah. He's just sort of been lurking under the costume and keeping the secret identity. Yeah, absolutely. But no, another good one from us. And uh, yep, not, quite, not quite sure what the next movie we'll review will be, but now that we can see movies again and now that we can visit Ooh. each other's homes again, yes. hopefully we'll do a few more of these. But in the meantime... I've been Dave. I'm Richard. And we'll speak again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Alternate Galaxies, the podcast where Rob and Dave from the Doctor Who show take a look at other great sci-fi and fantasy that we think Doctor Who fans might like. You can reach us at hello at thedwshow.net, on Twitter at thedwshow, or on Facebook forward slash thedwshow. Alternate Galaxies is an irregular podcast, so stay tuned to the Doctor Who show and other programs on our feed to know when the next episode's coming. 
Our theme music is called Wretched Destroyer and is by Kevin McLeod. Find him at incompetech.com. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.